0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Peter Cohn, the Budget and Appropriations Editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. David, it's great to be here as always. Thank you so much. And our special guest this week is Jessica Werman, who covers transportation and infrastructure at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Jess.
1: Thanks for calling me special, David.
0: (laughs) Well, you are special, and we're so glad to have you today because there is a lot going on in infrastructure world that we wanted to talk about today uh, that seemed to be all over the news this week, which you have covered left and right, Uh, beginning with, Jess, where are we on infrastructure spending? You know, I think people thought last year they passed this bipartisan infrastructure bill with great fanfare. It's been signed into law, so it's ready to go. And yet we find out through your reporting that a lot of the infrastructure money can't actually be spent yet because it's tied up with the, with the appropriations stalemate. What's going on there? And why, why, why can't they spend it if it's now law?
1: So the deal is this, because we're operating under a continuing resolution, we're really basically operating at 2021 levels of funding. And that's kind of a problem because, for example, with the uh, Highway Trust Fund, this bill would create like a 20% increase in funding. For transit, it's 30%. So this is money that's kind of out of reach until Congress formally, you know, writes a check. Uh, Back when I was a regional reporter years ago, I would always sort of Stumble over authorizing and appropriating authorizing. I kind of just would say they allow them to spend the money. And then there's an actually spending the money. Um, and they they aren't, they aren't haven't been able to actually spend the money yet. So they have this sort of promise hanging over them. And by the way, it's a promise that's it's kind of a nice one to have right before a midterm election. But they can't make it a reality. So kind of the political rub here is these are guys who want to really, you know, they're having these events around the country talking about how great this money is but they don't actually have a lot of the money to do the stuff that they said they're going to do quite yet, because there's this big standoff over actually writing writing the checks of actually spending the money and getting a full year appropriations. They can spend part of it, by the way, kind of up to sort of the levels of the last years, but they can't really spend beyond it. It's also kind of a rub for any sort of new program that is in this bill. You know, there's like a carbon reduction program. There's one that rebuilds infrastructure to make it more resilient. So like if there's a wildfire or what have you, it's not as likely to burn up. Um, They don't have access to that money yet either. So it's like me being told, hey, you have a raise, but you haven't actually seen it in your paycheck yet.
0: And a lot of this, Pete, is because of how the Highway Trust Fund works, right? It's kind of complicated.
2: Oh yeah, it's extremely complicated. I mean, the Highway Trust Fund is one of the rarest budgetary anomalies that are out there because it's sort of half discretionary and half mandatory. And by that, I mean, generally discretionary spending is the money about one and a half trillion a year that is just really out funded out of of general revenue, general taxpayer dollars that's under the purview of the House and Senate Appropriations Committees to divvy up. They have to approve that money every year. Uh, or it, the, all of the new money doesn't get spent. They're right; I mean, they have to they have to pass appropriations bills every year. Or frankly, uh, large chunks of the federal government will shut down. Uh, and then, if, as Jess said, if we're operating on one of these continuing resolutions or CRs, they're stuck sort of under the previous fiscal year's spending levels and, and policies. So discretionary spending, transportation funding. A chunk of that is discretionary, like Amtrak, for instance, the passenger rail service. That is under the purview of the appropriations committees to, to dole out as they see fit uh, every year and some, some certain highway spending programs as well, smaller programs. But the big ticket federal aid interstate highway programs, the mass transit programs, the, big, the really big dollars for infrastructure uh, are there. They're financed out of the highway trust fund which, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, is financed largely with gasoline, diesel fuel taxes, and a few other taxes uh, that go in there. So that's dedicated funding for these uh, highway and transit programs that you might consider mandatory. But again, it's this weird budgetary hybrid program where the authorized committees, they pass a multi-year authorization like they did with the infrastructure law that passed last year. But the way it's structured is the appropriations committees actually have to approve that money every year. It's the, one of the only programs in the federal government that works like this. So that's kind of why we're in this weird situation that Jess outlined.
0: That is weird. So that in, in, until we get a final appropriations bill for the current fiscal year, a lot of this highway trust fund money just can't be spent, right?
2: Well, most of it can. But as Jess said, you can't just, you know, the, the delta between last year's levels and what they just approved in, in the uh, infrastructure law for FY22, uh, that can't go out. So they're kind of capped. they can't go above those promises they can't, you know as Jess put it, meet those promises that they made in that bill for the immediate term. I and mean, we always knew that the, you know the, the spending was going to go slowly out the door. It always does with these types of things. There wasn't going to be some big overnight transformation in you know American infrastructure and it just never works like that. But now it's it's going even slower than I think they would have liked because of the fact that they're still stuck on this, uh, on the on the appropriations bills. You know, they're still arguing just this week over, all right, how much is going to go to defense? How much is going to go to other programs? And so they're yeah. sort of just figuring that out now. And then they got to spend time writing the, the what's going to be this massive omnibus spending bill for all the federal agencies.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But just how, how worried are... How frustrated is the transportation community that you talk with now to know that these programs, a lot of these transportation programs are still in limbo, despite the despite the infrastructure law being in place? Is there a I I assume there'd be growing frustration on their part that that they can't do what they want to do yet?
1: So it's there's multiple layers of frustration. First of all, it's not always completely crystal clear because there's all these different sort of intermingling pots of money here. Uh, it's hard to know what you're allowed to spend and what you're not allowed to spend. I mean, one of the struggles I've had is getting clarity on what exactly is okay to spend and what is not okay to spend. In some cases, you actually have people at the DOT who are paid under contract authority, who are paid under the highway trust fund money who are working on new programs that they can spend money on that they're allowed to spend money on now that it's been appropriated. So you've got people who could be working on these programs, but they're kind of barred to under contract on, because of the way they are paid. So the other thing is they have to ramp up a lot. I mean, when you have a generational investment in infrastructure, you need some people to help figure out how to spend that money and how to do it wisely and over and do the appropriate oversight. Um, they haven't been able to hire some of those people yet because of this. So they're kind of like just waiting and, and it's, and you know, the March, the the March 11th continuing resolution that it was just yet another delay. We're also heading into sort of the construction season when people would start really kind of doing the planning they need to do. I mean, a big part of it, transportation policy is just planning. And that's why a five-year bill is super important in these little short-term extensions. Um, really kind of muck things up for state DOTs.
0: Yeah, and then to complicate the matter further, if that's possible, um, Republicans were up in arms this week, as you reported, from some new federal highway guidance that seemed to contradict what they said was Congress's intent with that infrastructure law. Talk about talk about what, what that guidance is and, and why were Republicans so upset about it.
1: Um, So this guidance was basically issued by uh, the administrator of the Federal Highway Administration December 15th or 16th. And basically, I mean, there was nothing really to read it at the time you're going, okay? the administration has made it very clear the entire time that when they implement this money, they want to do it in, in a way sort of envisioned in the original um, Build Back Better Act with, you know, where everything was sort of tied together with infrastructure and then this big reconciliation thing. They have priorities such as addressing climate change, uh, making transportation more equitable, which, which means in cases like in inner cities where there's a bridge cutting, you know, dividing a black community from the rest of the city, they, they figure out a way to rectify that, whether it's tearing it down or repurposing or what have you. So they had all these goals kind of going into it. They, none of those goals were super secret. The problem is when it became guidance, the Republicans were sort of said, wait, 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 this isn't what we agreed to. We agreed to spend money for this and for these things. You know, I mean, this. we had this bill and you guys are putting your own, uh, the, the quote from Sam Graves was woke agenda into it. The big centerpiece of this and the biggest point of frustration was the issue of do we repair the existing roads or do we build new roads? And this is like this weird that's not really weird, but this is this huge sort of divide between Republicans and Democrats. Um, Democrats really sort of are arguing against more more highways and more roads. The argument is that that does nothing to help climate change, just puts more cars on the road. I mean, it doesn't solve congestion, is their argument, because it just creates more congestion. When you've got a brand new fancy autobahn of a highway right next to your house, you're going to want to drive that thing. It's going to get you where you need to do to get. But the problem is everyone else thinks that as well. And so eventually you have another crowded highway. So the Republicans say, we need these roads. Um, So anyway, so this has become a nice little talking point for Republicans to say, these guys don't want to build any roads. They want to fix the roads we have. But, you know, this has been kind of part of the democratic agenda for a while. And the Republicans in meanwhile have said, we're going to build new roads. We're going to fix the ones we have. We're just going to invest in infrastructure, whichever way we need.
0: And I suspect that, that there's an urban-rural divide in this debate, too, right? I mean, if you live in a rural area, you're going to want new roads, more roads, because you don't have much. And if you live in older cities, repair would be the, and modernization would be the main thing.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that sort of stands, that's, that's a divide in Congress, right? The Tem- Democrats in general are more likely to represent urban areas, and the Republicans are more likely to represent rural areas. So... At any rate, um, there's been complaining Shelley Moore Capito and Mitch McConnell, who both backed the bill, complained about it this week in a letter. Uh, I paid attention to some sort of, a, it was like a special select committee on equitable infrastructure or something like that. And that was Wednesday. And they, the Republican there, Brian Stile, was also complaining about it. Sam Graves is complaining about it. So this is going to be like, you're going to hear this complaint for a while that basically the administration is using this big bill that everyone agreed to to impose its own agenda.
2: And Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Republicans who negotiated the infrastructure law, like Mitt Romney, uh, they came, I mean, they were sort of under the impression that, okay, the administration maybe pitched one version of this when they, Mm -hmm. you know, earlier in the year, but what they agreed to in this particular legislation, what, you know, did not envision this restriction on expanding existing highways, right? So, Yeah, that's absolutely the case as well. Right. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely the case. In fact, the House version of the bill actually had language saying, you know, you build before you or not, you build, you repair before you build. Um, And that was taken out of the Senate bill, which eventually became law. So by kind of reimposing this guidance, which the DOT says it's not binding, it's just guidance. um, They're basically sort of going back to that original House iteration where, you know, the key is like, let's fix the crumbling roads and bridges and and not necessarily buying not necessarily prioritize building new ones so so republicans sort of feel like you know we agreed to spend all this money and states in turn have the flexibility to spend it however the heck they please and so they feel a little burned by that
0: but but the law the bottom line is the, the law still allows them to do both repair and new construction right
1: yeah this is guidance i mean even DOT is like this is not binding um but you know the republicans okay. say yeah.
0: So, <laughs> and meanwhile, Pete, there was another major uh, infrastructure debate this week because as inflation is now at a forty-year high, we're seeing a push by some Democrats to suspend the federal gas tax. How is that going to play, and does that have much of a hope of of uh, happening?
2: Yeah, I'm probably not. I this it was really it was one of the most kind of blatantly. Transparently political uh, events of the week, it kind of flew under <laughs> the radar, under the radar a little bit. I mean, so you know, the the sponsors of this were Mark Kelly, Senator Mark Kelly, uh, Senator Maggie uh, Hassan from New Hampshire, Senator uh, Catherine Cortez Masto from the Nevada, uh, Raphael Warnock from Georgia. I, really? You know, these are some of the most vulnerable Democrats running for re-election, and they put this out the day before the uh, inflation report came out yesterday. And as uh, gas prices nationwide had been had been ratcheting up, you know, obviously, we've got tensions in, in uh, Russia and, and elsewhere in the world that have sort of jacked up the price of oil. But that was had been steadily rising anyway. I mean, more and more people are getting out on the road driving. And so demand is increasing as supply has not really been ratcheting up to meet that demand. So in any case, oil prices are back above $90 a barrel. Biden administration said they got to stay below 80 right? That hasn't happened. So the Democrats are freaking out across the board about inflation. And the one, the most noticeable thing when you talk about inflation to anybody really is, is gasoline prices. Now, you know, so this is one of the major uh, financing mechanisms for the highway trust fund that we talked about, which is just chronically running short on cash. So in another five years, when the current money runs out, because they just injected $118 billion into the highway trust fund, of just general taxpayer dollars, okay? So they didn't do anything to fix the underlying financing problems with the Highway Trust Fund, which is just chronically short on cash because these motor fuels taxes do not keep up with inflation uh, and pe- more people are driving electric cars and so forth. And, you know, there just isn't as much revenue coming in.
1: And it hasn't been raised since
2: 1993. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the rate hasn't gone up since 1993. Fewer people are driving, you got more fuel efficient cars and electric cars and what have this. Anyway. Um, so the gasoline tax brings in roughly, you know, a little more than 2 billion a month, call it on average. Okay. There's a separate tax on diesel, which brings in close to a billion a month, maybe, maybe a little bit more. So this, for whatever reason, they did not, this bill from these democratic senators who are having tough reelection races, uh, would not touch the diesel portion of this. Jess, I don't know if you found out why.
1: I I asked two of them yesterday, and they never responded when I said, what's up with diesel? I don't know.
2: So, you know, maybe they're mad at all the truckers who are blocking the highways from from Canada, (laughs) um, you know, in in protest over the vaccine mandates. I mean, you know, so there's a whole thing going on there. I don't know. But, you know, truckers rely rely on diesel, and that's not part of this bill. Uh, A lot of cars run on regular, you know, smaller cars run on diesel as well. Of course, some of the ones who cheated on the emissions test a few years ago are in that category. So I don't know. Maybe there's some residual animosity against um, you know Volkswagen and some of these other you know diesel cars. I I have no idea. I'm just you know riffing here. But yeah, I mean this. So you know if they were to do this, it would cost you know not that much. We've spent five trillion fighting COVID nineteen, right? So another fifteen to twenty billion to suspend the federal gasoline tax. But it, I, I think it was probably pretty clearly a political stunt and is not going anywhere. But Jess, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Uh, I will not correct you. You are not wrong. Okay. <laughs> so,
0: has there any, Has I assume there's no Republican support for doing this or is there? Haven't seen any.
1: The deal with the Highway Trust Fund is traditionally it's been a user fee. Like if you use the highway, you pay the taxes that help run the highway. That's been the whole philosophy, but that's kind of, You know, as the gas tax doesn't really actually meet the need sufficiently anymore, and there's a whole bunch of like I could do a thirty minute podcast just on that, Um, as it doesn't meet the need. Now there, there, we've seen this trend of more and more general revenue infusions of this, and I guess they just would they would suspend more and more from the general revenue. But the problem is that doesn't necessarily mean the gas uh, that what you pay at the pump goes down. I mean, it's it's possible, and there's supposed to be safeguards in this bill that would um, pre- prevent this, but it's it's possible. Gas, oil, and gas companies would just say, oh, "We'll pocket that money that was going to be
2: tax. Why not?" Yeah, I mean, right, right now it's a straight pass through. I mean, the oil, the you know, the the uh, the distributors pay the tax, right? The mm-hmm. oil companies they're paying the tax. They're they're remitting that to the to the treasury, and then of course they just pass it right through to to you and I at the pump. So you know whether or not they're going to be able to to um, you know they would follow through and do that. Uh, you know, I think there's some what. Non-binding findings in the bill that say I, I'm yeah, not sure exactly, sure. but you know I mean politically, if you're Mark Kelly, if you're you know Cortez Masto, you know it, it, this is a great opportunity to say where are my Republican friends? Why are they not jumping on? We're co- Democrats are lowering your taxes. Democrats are the ones who are trying to fight inflation and cut your taxes here. And where are the Republicans who are supposed to be? You know, anti-tax. So anyway, I, the whole thing was kind of comical. In a way, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 a decent political move. I mean, you know, if you're in a tough race and you want to get this out there, it wouldn't cost that much, and you know, it would lower. I mean, I think what nationwide people are paying for regular unleaded about three forty five a gallon right now, and this would shave you know eighteen cents off of that. That's not bad. That's not a bad little talking point.
1: Yeah, but then you're spending it. I mean, you, you're still spending the money because you still. <laughs> I mean, you're just then, spending it yeah. a different way. And then so then
2: that. But then you know. Then that's that tax snaps back into place in January 2023 the timing is interesting too by the way right because it, it would the suspension would just go right through November 2022 <laughs> and then come back into place in January 2023 and then you know then there's going to be all this pressure oh god well, if we don't keep this tax going if we don't keep, keep this tax relief going then it's a tax increase on Low-income consumers.
1: Once you give people something, they don't—they don't, they don't want to like give it back. away. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Exactly. Oh, you right. tax break. Just kidding.
2: Yeah. And Biden's whole—you know—pledge: nobody making less than four hundred thousand dollars is going to see a tax increase. So, you know, that would be a tax increase. So, anyway, I think you know we're spending a lot of time talking about something that. Probably isn't going to happen, but
1: it's kind of fun but, to talk
2: about.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> but me, and meanwhile, the, this highway trust fund's still going broke, Jess. Right? Even, and, and this oh, yeah. will only make it worse. I mean,
1: he said 118 billion last time. I mean, so yeah. really, in a nutshell, why it's going broke. Um, you've got the gas tax that hasn't been raised since 1993 because no one wants to raise it. Even the states are fine with raising their own gas taxes. There's been like 21 states that have raised their own gas tax. You've got you've got the increase in electric vehicles or more fuel efficient vehicles, and then also sort of things. The trust fund sort of fundamentally stopped paying for itself around the time part of that money got used for transit. Um, so you've got these sort of three these three factors that sort of I means just. But still, it's money. I mean, it's still helping to pay for it. It's just not really, you're not getting a bank or your that you might have, you know, back in the 80s. All
0: right. So with not much time, I want to sort of wrap up where we began, because a lot of this infrastructure money we explained is held up by the lack of an appropriations deal. Pete, where are we on this new framework they announced? Do we know what it means yet? And are they any closer really, to? reaching an omnibus package that'll get the government funded.
2: Yeah, this was another kind of strange uh, development this week. I mean, you know, they announced this framework. There was a press release from the uh, the two Democratic chairs of the Appropriations Committees in the House and the Senate. Uh, they came out and said they had a bipartisan, bicameral agreement. The Republicans weren't represented on that press release, though. They, they didn't say anything. In fact, they didn't, you know, Senator Shelby had come out earlier and said, Something like, you know, we we have a framework, but I wouldn't call it a deal yet. Um, so the whole thing was just kind of and then, you know, then later on in the day, they, the Republicans kind of quietly came out and said, well, yeah, yeah, we agree with what the Democrats said. We, there is a framework agreement, but nobody knows what it says. And In fact, just yesterday, we talked to some of the um, Democratic subcommittee chairs in the Senate on the Appropriations Committee, and they didn't know yet how much money that they were they were going to have to spend. One one of the so-called cardinals—that's what they call the leader, the subcommittee lead, uh, chair, chair people—said, uh, you know, I needed to have that that information yesterday. You know, uh, if we're going to write this omnibus bill in three weeks by this March 11th deadline, so um, you know, we they don't we don't know yet. Maybe they're getting those numbers today, or maybe they already got them. So that that would be a, you know a positive step in the right direction. But all we know right now is that um, that we know that the numbers are going to go up. There's going to be increases. The defense number seems like it's going to go even higher than the Defense Authorization Act contemplated, as Senator Shelby told us yesterday. Uh, we don't know exactly how much. There's numbers kind of floating around, but they haven't been confirmed. And some are in dispute uh, for non defense. You know, Biden and the, and the House Democrats proposed as much as a 16% increase uh, over the current year. That doesn't look like it's happening anymore, but. Um, you know.
0: Yeah, we know there's a push for parity here. Yeah. The Republicans are pushing, but equal defense and non-defense increases. It sounds like they're moving closer to that kind of formula. Right. But we don't know the details.
2: Right. We don't know if, you know, traditionally, you know, that, what does parity mean? We don't exactly know that yesterday. Senator Shelby was very kind of, you know, sh- he has a very kind of a comedic way of, of, of uh you know, explaining things to reporters and, and trying not to say anything, right? Trying right. not to make any news. He's is pretty and, good at
0: that, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so we don't know, you know, does this mean they're each going to get 50 billion more? Does it mean, you know, defense might be getting a six something like a 6% increase? We don't know yet. Does that mean non-defense only gets a 6% increase, which would, would be a huge letdown for everybody who was, you know, thought, who was pushing a 16% increase? earlier in the year. So they're holding it really close to the vest. They don't want to give anything away for fear that the deal could fall apart, right? You know, if too many people find out what's in it. So we'll, we'll see what, what goes on. This week, they got to pass the CR that we talked about. They haven't even passed that yet. Um, they're, you know, Mitch McConnell said yesterday, it's going to pass. It's just a matter of going through the typical hoops, you know, so-and-so might want to vote on X or Y amendment. And, you know, they got to get through that first, but We'll see. Everyone, Everyone's trying to find out, you know, the framework is sort of taking on this life of its own. Nobody quite knows what it
0: means. So they got a lot of work to do left to get anything done on that. And that's tying up the infrastructure spending. We'll see how all this plays out. As always, CQ Roll Call will be covering it all for you very closely. That does it for us today. Thanks again to Peter Cohn and Jessica Worman. Thank you both for joining me.
2: Thanks for having us. Great to be here, David.
0: And we will be back next week.